1: The Chels is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. Hello, good evening, and welcome to the Seagulls podcast. That's right, you found us. We're no longer Chelsea fans; we're all Brighton fans. That's what we're going to do—is big up Brighton. Gary Hayes is here, looking confused and bemused. Going, what, what? I don't yeah, no, understand because you're,
2: you're forgetting Leicester. What about them? They're playing Spurs on the last day yeah, of the season.
1: Don't Liverpool's the one to concentrate yeah, but on
2: Spurs if they drop points. On all Wednesday. right.
1: Hello, good evening, Whoa. and welcome to the Foxes podcast. Is that better? Okay, this is the foxes and the seagulls. This is animal magic. That's what this is. This is animal magic. So, yeah, we're supporting loads of teams this week. And to help us enjoy supporting those teams, we have Mr. Naz Kinsella.
3: Hello, thanks for being back. How are you? Yeah, all good, all good, yeah.
1: Excellent. Well, yeah, I presume you were at the game, so we'll be talking to you about that.
3: Yeah, yeah, it was a, yeah, it was a great game, a lot, lot riding on it, and Chelsea have surprised us all, haven't they?
1: No, not at all. <laughs> um, <laughs> I found no surprise in beating them. Um, but And then we also have, he's here, he's taking time out from his frying pan, and he's going to whip up a storm in some sort of crazy sort of way for us. It's Mr. Chef Alan Bird. Thank you very much. It's on uh, en surprise for me to be here as well. D- oh, you must be planning your holidays. Um, he's getting all foreign now with us, um, which is good. En surprise.
2: Perfect. Sorry, before we begin, I just wanted to ask Naz a question, because I don't see him a lot these days. Why is that? Is that well, because you've been
1: sacked as a journalist?
2: Yeah, <laughs> and I'm, I'm, bi- I'm busy being your boss. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, well, can I just but,
1: say, my expenses got paid after seven weeks today. Oh, excellent. Yeah, yeah I
2: I'm, love working for this guy. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad my uh, my power move worked. Um, but last time Naz was here, that was the last time I saw him, and he had I a thought t- that's what you use for the, the suppositories for, your power move. <laughs> well, I've, I've got a line about suppositories later, me <laughs> okay. and Giroud. That's not suppository um, <laughs> This better be good what's coming up no, I Sorry I don't want
1: to keep interrupting
2: I wanted you. to ask Naz because I don't see him or not Last time he was on He had to leave early for a Tinder date So I wanted to know how it went and whether love was in the air still
3: Well still dating now so obviously the Same girl? No, no. <laughs> Right, So
2: what do you mean Tinder's
1: just been on fire since? Yeah
3: you? just like Olivier you know Got the hair, got everything Is that, <laughs> is that his name? Yeah <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey! Oh, look at you!
2: I, can, I, can I? just? I feel say... like Jerry Seinfeld stood up here. Yeah,
1: yeah. Jerry Hayes. It is. <laughs> no, <laughs> me,
2: me and Jerry. Ge- Jerry. Jerry and me.
1: Jerry is standing up again this week because of his ricked back. Um, mm. How is the progress? When will we see you back in action on the DIY on Twitter? Brata
2: and me are going through the same thing, aren't we? Well, um, you're not going to Italy. I could be on a tennis tour on a tennis I'm sure tour. I can wrangle one well, yeah, Rome but... Masters something like that but um, it's, it's going well thank you oh that's good Well, I'm getting we, better can I just say everyone sort of
1: didn't actually write in <laughs> but would have if they'd have known so yeah we hope you get better soon it's just Ed my mate Ed put my back out that's the problem Okay, moving on. Um, so, so, so let's. Where shall we start? Now, where shall we start? Well, I tell you what, actually, we are backed by Labrooks. Go to bet.chelseapodcast.net for exclusive specials and promotions that we have got you. Let's start with the FA Cup final Chelsea versus Arsenal. Isn't that the first game we've got to talk about? Really? The Women's Cup final. Oh, oh you! I'm sat there clueness. looking at the
2: producer, thinking he's an Arsenal fan. What's, what's the connection? Oh, yes. No, of he, he just the made, FA Cup final. Absolutely.
1: Thank mm. you. Can we just get on it? You know, sorry. It's women's this football, is why. This is why you're not paid to write words <laughs> anymore. You know, just paid to say <laughs> them. Just well actually technically you're not paid for this no one's paid for this I mean would you pay for this I doubt it but um, so yeah Women's Cup final Naz did you go
3: no I didn't I've just been watching too much football of late and I felt like you know a terrible sexist for missing out on that game and all the other teams at all of the levels are doing so well compared to the men's first team but the schedule at the moment just covering football it's just it's just too much and you have to let things go but I did watch it on TV um, and you know I met a lot of the girls and I think they're absolutely brilliant, you know, as personalities, as footballers, you know, Fran Kirby's winning all the individual awards. I was really happy to see them win, because I just think, you know, being around some of those girls and Emma Hayes, um, they're just absolutely fantastic, yeah.
4: Did you watch it at all, Al? I did, phenomenal.
1: It it was, wasn't it? It was actually a brilliant game of football as well. I mean, I, I thought... Chelsea's management of the game management which we go on about Mm. the men so much this year I thought the game management was absolutely fantastic I loved it when Arsenal got that goal back to give hope and then Chelsea just just upped it as good sides do they go okay right well we're going to go and score another which is something the men could have learnt from this year I think because I just thought it was a, a fabulous performance and
2: I thought we looked really cohesive as a team Sets up well for an FA Cup treble doesn't it at the club yeah, absolutely U team winning Quiet I'll well, just say, you know it, it does though, don't it Which would be perfect I know Naz has already put down The first team But if they win the FA Cup That's unprecedented it, Why,
1: why it would It shows Naz collectively put, why, The success why, that the club has Can I just ask Why Naz would put down The first team The men's
2: team Because he's A Man United fan <laughs> You never told me that Mm. Is this true? I know it's true. Actually, well,
3: first revealed on the Chelsea podcast. Oh yeah, you know. I think yeah, I think <laughs> yeah. We oh, yeah, what, what makes
2: me laugh about Nasdow is when people attack him on Twitter, and they're like, "You're not a real fan covering my club." I'm like, no, no, he's not. I was like, come on.
3: Look. Yeah, yeah. There's a difference between fanboy Twitter accounts and, like, trained journalists. Yeah, exactly. What yeah. I am. Ex- but excru- Gary, Gary's had to give up because he's a Chelsea fan, so... <laughs> yeah, but
1: when you said fanboy Twitter accounts, you look straight at Gary. <laughs>
3: yes, well. He
2: knows I run them all. Dan Levine, I'm coming after you. Uh, explains a lot. Well, you know, I'm
1: sure we'll talk about it later. But, I mean, uh, I think I think it was a fantastic day out. And it was over 40,000 record there?
2: Record crowd as well yeah. for the Women's Cup final. So, impressive.
1: And I think you could even turn up on the day and go in, couldn't you? Yeah, because they were tickets. doing these yeah.
2: print-at-home tickets and it stopped an hour before kickoff.
1: It's brilliant. You yeah. know, I mean, that should should happen more, you know. Um, and I, I, it was affordable as well. And, I mean, great coverage for it to be on the BBC yeah yeah you know it really was Yeah, you know, i thought fantastic so yeah and i loved all that stuff with emma giving him all roses from her garden i mean why doesn't conte give our boys some roses from his garden <laughs> you know I mean, what's going on i think it's a bit unfair you know and little notes and things I think it's David good
4: luis has probably been around with the weed killer and most of them are dead now
1: you're probably right there yeah i mean th- luis would be interesting to see what happens with him you know i keep i keep hearing these conspiracy theories that he's really actually been fit all season mm. And I'm not sure it's true. What do you think, Naz?
3: No, I've seen him in the treatment room when I go if down to, <laughs> to Cobham Training Ground. So either he's uh, doing the best act I've ever seen or, you know, he certainly is injured. So um, you can have your conspiracy theories, but he's there getting treatment every day. So If, if yeah. you
2: follow him on Instagram as well, you see his Instagram story every day. is him getting treatment next to another player who's getting a rub down from the game before or whatever. And he's always making fun of him, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. A he's lot of times you see him with JT randomly. Yeah. Thought was at Villa. Sorry, moving on. <laughs>
1: yeah, but that's quite a long way to go every day, isn't it? Good. If you're JT. Yeah, exactly. So, you know,
2: <laughs> why bother?
1: You know, yeah. won't mind you, it's even further to go to Glasgow Rangers, you know, which some people have done, which has given it's me... a slippery road to Glasgow. Oh, yeah, as Dem- Denver Bar will point out. <laughs> oh, wait. oh, look, this is all segueing nicely into, oh, oh, what happened at the weekend? It was the Liverpool game. I mean, well, did we have any doubt that we would win
4: that that game? I did. I did. No, I've got to be honest. Before the game kicked off, I wondered which Liverpool was going to turn up and also wondered which Chelsea was going to turn up. And that was why I had so much doubt. But as the game progressed, um, I thought Liverpool played, obviously, a possession game and we sort of sat back and... Let them come forward, but I really did have a lot of doubt to begin with, and then after the first sort of twenty minutes, my confidence grew. Oh,
1: excellent! <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I, I think I think it was a, a, an amazing performance. What I'd like to ask first off: who is your man of the match for Chelsea? well man of the match full stop
4: um the often slated player uh bakioko
1: okay uh, not a premier league player though is he hold on hold on we'll get to that in a minute we'll get to that N- Naz? Yes, uh,
3: his
4: name's often followed by
1: that statement isn't it
3: yeah. <laughs> victor moses also often criticized yeah. yeah it
1: has been especially since he's come back from that injury moses has been criticized gary cahill
2: Gary Kay- oh, nah, they all he's still rubbish. got rubbish shouldn't be playing for Chelsea get out of my club <laughs> they they all
1: still got a coating from various people in the, in the ground and you your man of the match
2: I want to say Bakayoko to be politically correct but I would say Giroud Okay, um,
1: yeah, but in principle, we're saying Bakayoko was yeah. up there. Now, can I just take everyone back to last week on the podcast when the man who is not here tonight, and we all know why, is he suspended because of that? Is he? <laughs> <laughs> he's suspended and dare not show his face. Um, he he sat with me through the game and he's going, oh, Bakayoko's brilliant. He's having the be- he's the best player out there. Going, yeah. Remember what you tweeted me last week or what's at me before he came on the podcast he said yeah I hate to say it but he's not a Premier League footballer <laughs> and I said I said do you remember saying he's not a Premier League footballer he said I never said that I said no you did <laughs> he said no he said, I did in the pod I said, yeah, he did as well which we, was
2: we followed up with my statement of I think there's a player in there and he looks better in a five man midfield with Zura up top come yeah. on I should be exactly. next Chelsea manager, shouldn't I, shall we? <laughs> well, Getting well, the best out of these players. Yeah, exactly.
1: But it's true, you know. And it, it was so funny because he scrolled through his WhatsApp and he said, no, I can't see that. I said, no, you've just gone past it. No, it's not there. He, he, he wouldn't oh, delete, have it. Delete, delete. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I thought, you know, it, it's really interesting. The, the way our squad is and the way the team is, we have a couple of systems that don't work for everyone. When it works for that midfield and backioko, out go Pedro and William and what have you, you end up two up top, mm. you know, and vice versa. Things don't work. Three-man midfield works lovely, but you're thinking, the poor old Willian especially, you know, he's he's the one out in the cold. Mm. Um, do we think, that, how will we evolve this next season? I mean, Naz, how do you do you see this sort well,
3: of... Well, it's hard to predict with the manager st- situation still up in the air, but I think Conte's plan was always going to be this formation. It was supposed to be 3-5-2, and I think that he always wanted to play Bakayoko. You sign a player, so expensive, two record signings, you know, 40 million, 58 million. You expect them to hit the ground running, play play this formation, get the best out of Hazard, who's got a free role, and he's been brilliant in this system, especially since they switched back to it recently. Um, but yeah, I think that I wanted to say as well, notable shout-out to Antonio Rudiger. He was, he'd be oh, one yes. massive contender for Man of the Match. Absolutely. Immense. He was amazing, yeah. and he has been for a while actually and, and what's been great about Chelsea in this system is they're so defensively solid and you know the reason why Chelsea have won five in a row broadly has been because they've been such a solid defensive unit and Gary Cahill coming in there seems to have brought the best out of the other two in that back three and uh, they've looked really good ever since. Back to yeah. back one Nils as well isn't it? Yeah. What, what I'll just add to
2: what Naz was saying there is that I think with the 3-5-2 what you saw on Sunday was the best and worst of it is that defensively they were solid and you know, Alan talking about what Liverpool was going to turn up. What worried me is what Chelsea would turn up, because I think if we got the best of Chelsea, we'd win. Because am not saying it because I've got blue tinted glass. I think that, genuinely, we're the second best team in the Premier League, but we haven't shown it this year. We've shown it in... Ooh, fi-
1: careful, you're starting to sound like Tottenham
2: fans. You know, <laughs> <who> goes, <laughs> yeah,
1: we yeah, were the best team.
2: I'm not going down that route, but what I mean is that we've seen it at times, and I think Sunday was almost like a, a picture of that in the... You saw defensively how it worked and then when Bakayoko was really on it, it was like the performance he had against United. You know, when we say that's probably his best performance and what was the score that day? 1-0. Um, but I just think that as the game wore on, Chelsea started getting pushed deeper and deeper, which was yeah. concerning me. That I think it was a great win and it was you know excellent that we got that win. I just think that the way they went about it, that over the course of a season, I don't think he could do it. But... You know needs must, and I think for what that game was, that you know they, they did enough. But I think moving forward, they need to solve the problem of having two attackers. Maybe Giroud isn't mobile enough to play that. Where you'd need someone like Morata that you know is a bit more nimble that he can you know link up more in the channels with Hazard. But I think they need to solve that if they're going to progress with this 3-5-2. You know, Maybe have a more dynamic player than Fabregas so that those three midfielders, can, you know, one can get on further to support Hazard and the striker.
1: So do you think there's a chance that you could end up with a three-man midfield next year of Kante, Bakayoko and Loftus-Cheek? That's what we said last week. Yeah. And good what...
2: luck to anyone who comes up against that physically because they're just going to bombard you. Where at the moment, with the names that you're talking about, you can't really compare it to SCN, McAlealy and Lampard. But you've got two very young players in there who have got their careers ahead of them. Now, if they can progress, you could be looking at something like that. Now, that's not me, you know, blowing smoke up the proverbial, but I just think the potential of that, that if they're nurtured properly, that I think there's so much you potential. You seem to put it. a
1: lot of stuff up there, suppositories, <laughs> smoke. I mean, <laughs> really, Jeez, you, know. <laughs> <laughs> you really want to be careful. <laughs> Alan, uh, how did you... Feel about that midfield, and okay, it means Willian doesn't get a look in. Um, And I think this season has all been about Conte trying to fit a system to get Willian in. But at the end of the day, when you play two up top, it's just never going to be him if Hazard's fully fit.
4: Well, I think most Chelsea fans would agree that N'Golo Conte has already sort of you know got one hand on the Player of the Year trophy. Um, The way he's played this season has been phenomenal. Uh, Bakioko, the way he played on Sunday, you know, he's sort of just improved enough over the last couple of games to warrant being on the team sheet next time round. Um, Fabregas, he's such a frustrating player for me. He, he either has a fantastic game or he has an absolutely terrible game. Um, but I think that midfield is the key to next season. Um, what we do in that area and how we tighten that up because we need a creative player arguably we lost that with um, well we've got Fabregas in there but when Matic went we had that player who could sort of you know nip in and take the ball of people and sort of spread it out to different people um, I don't think we've quite done that all this season. And I just felt that on Sunday, if we'd been up against a Liverpool that hadn't been playing in the Champions League, we might not have got away with sitting so far back. Um, I think we would have conceded a a goal. I don't
1: agree. I think, and you you were mentioning this, I'll come to you on this now in a sec, but I think it was a definite ploy and it's something Conte's done before in the fact that when he plays with teams who've got three players up front who attack in the way they do he goes fine we're going to drop right back yeah. because you need the space to run in I mean there were a couple of times Mane found space and it was really disconcerting mm. but when they're right back deep it's, it's, a, it's a gamble it's, it's what Conte does I think that he just blocks it off and he says right Come and play through the middle if you want, but we're all back here. Where are you going to run to? And consequently, you know, Salah gets a a booking for diving. I mean, do you think it was a deliberate ploy or do you think uh, Liverpool pushed us back? I think it was... Conte yeah. at
3: work. I think Conte is quite humble with his team selection. I think a lot of Chelsea fans would like to see Chelsea dominate teams at home. You know, even if they're a big team, they want they've got the confidence, they love their club, they want Chelsea to do that. But Conte doesn't really think these players are capable of doing that against this Liverpool side. So he said, "You have the ball, and we'll hit you on the break. We'll find a way past you." You know, Moses and the wing backs were devastating. Uh, Moses and Alonso. Um, but yeah, Liverpool really dominated the early ex- changes of the game, and it wasn't just about having the ball. it created quite a lot of challenges but Mm. Giroud's goal just absolutely took the stuff in out of Liverpool and they couldn't react and they reacted poorly and Chelsea grew in confidence they sort of needed that goal and that goal completely goals always transform games it's a cliche but really did Improved Chelsea's performance no end. And I think that, you know, Giroud's individual moment of skill to put that in the back of the net, which wasn't an easy header, by the way, um, that completely transformed the game. And that shows Giroud's charisma on the pitch, that he can just transform a game like that. And that's what you want from your striker. And Maratta needs to take note and try to provide those moments as well.
1: I, I think that's yeah. interesting, you know. Um, Giroud, for me, he just looks like I've been there, I've done it. And actually, he hasn't really, with Arsenal, done it in the same way that he's done it with us. I think he you are seeing a far more complete footballer than we ever saw at Arsenal. We've worked out quite quickly, you know what, just put it into him. So as we talked about last week, he loves holding the ball up, he loves play, players running off him, which Hazard actually didn't do enough, I think, in the Liverpool game. He was, he was holding back, and you needed... There were a couple of flick-ons that Giroud did where Hazard really should have been there. But... Um, that's a minor detail. I, I just think he gives us something that's as threatening in a kind of a way, but in a different way to say Costa. You know, you could never just let Giroux be over there and not worry about him in the same way you couldn't with Costa. Because you mm. knew that, Something would happen, and he's done it again. I mean, he—he he, for me has proven the best for me the best signing of the season.
2: Yeah, well, especially since January. But I think there's a an argument to say that he saved Chelsea's season as well because when he came in, didn't This is the point with Batchwi. I don't care about the goals he's got in Dortmund. You know, I care about what he did in the Chelsea shirt, and he he came on and he was too timid he didn't look confident he didn't look like a player that felt like he belonged or had the aggression and knowledge to really apply himself to be that player that Chelsea needed him to be and whether that's experience and you know that giroud has got because of his age but i just think that he's come in and the way Chelsea play football and the way that they're happy to play through him and he's just really taken on the on the chest or on the head as it were on on Sunday and he's just um you know the goals that he's scored and the way that he's linked up play and the way he's started getting more out of certain players is just really impressive. And for for fifteen million, I don't I don't think he's the long term fix for Chelsea. But we said it last week: an eighteen month contract for a player like that to bridge the gap to bring something else through, you know, it's invaluable really. And quite what Arsenal are doing with him yeah i don't know he
4: looks like he's enjoying his football game that's for sure he's always got a smile on his face
1: and and you know that we're probably going to get you know a season out of him he might get one
2: more season after that but he he already has the look of a folk hero to me Mm. what i like about him as well though is is that you know strikers have these reputations for certain teams and out of the last six games he started against liverpool he scored five goals yeah just it's... it's a bit like costa and arsenal or you know, Drogba and Arsenal. Can
1: we just talk about that, just for the hell of it? Anyway, <laughs> wasn't it fun to see Diego do that again in the semi? Yeah,
4: <laughs> I must have Sorry to the engine. I, want, I wanted Arsenal to
2: win. I wanted Arsenal to win because I support English teams in, in European games. But I just think that, yeah, watching Costa do that to Arsenal was just priceless. Yeah,
1: no, I mean, it just shows what he, he... just puts the fear of God up them. And, you know, but at least they had a nice weekend, Arsenal, didn't they? All those fans who hated Wenger, you know, all got together and, oh, it's all right, we really like you. And then waved him off, you know, bunch of hypocrites. Anyway, moving on, back to the Liverpool game.
2: Joe, <laughs> could, I, could I just oh. say one thing about it? Because I don't want to interrupt now as we just talking about Salah. But I think that, you, you know, we've spoken before about... Um, Last season, when Chelsea lost matches against teams like uh, United and you know other teams got to them near the end of the season, it sort of set it up for this year where teams sort of worked out how to play against. How to play against Chelsea. And then we've seen it now with Liverpool and United doing something similar to City, where it almost gives not so much hope because I think that's overplaying a bit too much, but it shows teams that look, get at these teams and you can actually get joy out of them. It, you know, it breaks down that, that barrier to them being invincible and, you know, the gods of football. And I think that you saw on Sunday a point I've made so much this season is that where Salah's concerned. You're going to see next year how good he really is. Now, you can't take away from what, what he's done this year, but I'll just compare it to what Mares did when Leicester won the title. And he's been nothing like that player ever since because teams set up differently against Mares And what has Mares got that Salah's got? He's got a bit of skill, but it's that pace in behind the player. And Rudiger said it in his interview on BBC Sport, you know, ahead of the game. He joked and he said, how are you going to control Salah? And he said, well, I'm fast. And that's what Chelsea did. They sat deep and Rudiger sort of just man-marked him out of the game using that one valuable asset that, a lot of defenders need against Salah and his pace because he couldn't get him behind and that's his game he can't play in front of players he can't play in front of defences and that's what you saw that he just disappeared in that game and that's my point on why Salah isn't a problem for Chelsea selling him
4: I think it's interesting
2: what um, Kerry said earlier about you know finding space he found a
4: lot of space in Rudiger's pocket <laughs> yeah, <that was> <laughs> they were deep pockets
1: <laughs> I have to say you- there was one outrageous Rudiger moment when he leapt off the feet off the floor with two feet raised and jumped into a tackle. I mean, how anybody didn't ever oh, word with him. I mean, he got yeah. the ball, fair enough. Yeah.
4: But- you just went, that was oh right my God. down by the barline, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, that could have been in the 1970 yeah. FA yeah, Cup. Both finals. feet off the ground. <laughs> <Yeah>. Unfo- <laughs> well, actually, it couldn't have been because he got the ball. They didn't bother getting yeah. the ball back. <laughs> that's either. his mate.
3: That, that's his mate. He's actually really close with Mohamed Salah. So yeah, but yeah, just that, that sort of—he's really popular with Chelsea fans, isn't he? You guys will know. Like in the stands, he's getting some big reactions at the moment, isn't he?
1: He's actually. A very modern footballer, but got, has, has got an old-fashioned defensive approach, which is, they shall not pass. But then at the same time, he'll get the ball and have a little wander up the field and things. So he's, he's, he's again a potential folk hero, I think. Yeah. It'd be nice to see him next season, you know, now he's been bedded in for a year. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll just see how it goes. But anyway, we've now got to go for a break. The Chelsea is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. And we're back. Uh, you can probably hear a bit of a noise that's outside. Uh, if there's an alarm going off. Now, this is an alarm for what did you say it was,
2: Gary? It was the Champions League fourth place playoff spot. Oh, okay. It's the, you know, it's the klaxon for that. We're here. We're, we're now. On the brink of getting into the Champions League,
1: Do you, okay. well, we should talk about that. Seeing as we've got the sound effect that we've got specially created for, sponsored this. by else...
2: Michelle Platini.
1: Right. Okay. <laughs> so, who thinks that the hope will still kill you? That actually, we are dreaming. If we think we can get champions, we're going to
2: finish third. Third. Mm. <laughs> Spurs are going to blow it somewhere along the line and Liverpool will draw with Brighton and that will allow us to pip in and finish third.
1: What do you think, Naz? You're thinking, you delusional idiots, aren't you? <laughs> well,
3: I'd, I'd like to have the Champions League trips as a journalist for one and for two. It, at least Chelsea have made it interesting, but I still think, yeah, obviously the massive outsiders. I think Chelsea, if you're going to put money down, I'd put my money down on the other two, um, even though Spurs are the perennial bo- bottlers, but um, they seem to they seem to have overcome a, a little bit of that, I guess, but um, what, what a season it could be for Chelsea. It could actually be a success still. Can you believe it? It could be a success for all the miserable, uh, narrow there's Absolutely. somehow it can be a success if they're fourth and they win the FA Cup. What a season that would be for Conte! <laughs> I mean, it would,
1: wouldn't it, Alan? It'd be incredible. Do you think it's possible?
3: Mm. Uh, anything's possible. Oh, I, like I, I, that. I think dream. you're still underachieving. Yeah. I can only
4: d- I can only dream that we would end up third. But yeah. if all the All the moons align and the planets align.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, I don't know
4: where you come from. I only have one moon. But
1: um, (laughs) the the other interesting thing is, I think that Liverpool game kind of said it all for me. There's a game we sort of got into, we worked out a way to play, we took the lead, but never finished the game off. And luckily, you know, our defence did what it hasn't necessarily done in that sort of. Middle to saggy part of the season, um, and held firm and kept them at bay. But it was uh, really a way that we've been all season. We've never killed any side off, pretty much.
2: It wasn't good for the nerves, was it? But no. see, this, this is the thing. I that didn't
1: feel nervous actually this time. But you knew that you know, it only takes one moment and things mm. go wrong. And
2: when Solanke came on, he looked so determined to score. You know, he had, well, now we're finished talking about the Champions League um we move on to Solanke that was a sound effect by the way we did it on purpose (laughs) yeah it's brilliant it's
1: there to really irritate you uh, everyone who's out there so I'm sure we were successful but
2: I I just think when he came on it was almost like oh you know Chelsea let him go he couldn't get games they didn't think he was good enough and they punished him for wanting more money yeah he's
3: greedy never mind he's
2: he's gonna turn up and he's gonna score you know and he he, there was a couple of chances he had that could have fallen differently but I just think there's an air of and this is I hark back to this generation of Chelsea because it's the finest generation I've seen personally. Chelsea 04 to 2012, maybe more so 04 to 08, where they had that determination and they weren't embarrassed by the football they played. And I think there's an air about that with Conte and this Chelsea side now, but he just hasn't been able to pull it off to the level that Jose did, and then subsequently, you know, coaches like Ancelotti and Di Matteo, when he was draining the last bit of blood out of that squad. He hasn't got the same characters maybe to do it, but that's why I like Conte so much, and that's why I really want him to stay. That, you know, I just think that there's this air of Chelsea going out there with two fingers up to the rest of football, thinking, you know, oh, you're Chelsea, therefore you must play this way. And then for a while, Chelsea sort of gave into that and tried to. And I think that the the essence and soul of this club is something different, and they don't care about the billions of the owner. And the billions it should be this notion; it dictates what we want. And I like the way Chelsea have gone up there. They've ruffled the feathers of the elite and they've done it their way rather than going up oh we're going to be barcelona on on the thames just saying you're getting close to a monologue there but oh, i'm sorry i'm sorry <laughs> So that, that's good <laughs> but I, I, I was starting to black out yeah so are we yeah Barry's passing out
4: uh, You like, okay I'm sorry andy
1: this is this is this is um, can get
2: that
4: alarm back al-
1: up <laughs> exactly, yeah we,
2: can we just listen to the alarm um, I think I should just go now. I've said everything I have to say. <laughs> have I d- a lot, I doubt I'll it. i you can't. <laughs> so,
1: I mean, there's this is, this whole, for me, Conte has had an odd season. You know, he's been the architect of his own downfall in certain ways by moaning about things, never leaving it alone in press conferences, and then, ironically, goes back to wearing a tracksuit, not bitching about things in press conferences, and suddenly the team become better. Is this just a coincidence?
3: Well, I don't, I don't think so. I think there's, you know, there's something to fight for, and, and everyone reacts better when there's some hope on the line. But what 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 um, amazed me about the match against Liverpool was that uh, Conte has been accused of lacking passion in certain games this season, and I, I don't really agree with that. And he almost got sent off against Liverpool for his uh, his touchline passions. I think he was on a final warning with the referee, so he was close to the touchline, but. Uh, yeah, I think that, I think that you know, Conte is committed in a way to ending the season in the best possible way. But, um, you know, there's always that question in the back of your mind. Loads of managers are like that across Europe. It's not just him. It's the nature of the game. Don't take offence to it as a fan, I'd say. Um, it's just a very, you know, uh, short-termist game. And unfortunately, we don't have that loyalty, you know, that long-term manager. You know, Wenger ridiculed his, his end of his career, maybe wasn't glorious. Well, it definitely wasn't glorious. Uh, but yeah, like that those managers uh, are completely dead. There's not. Gonna, it's not going to happen again like those kind of managers. So just forget about it. Uh, the best you can hope for is a Klopp five years job on your club. And that's what Chelsea, I think, need. And if it was Conte, great. But for me, the jury's still out on that matter.
1: OK, yeah, what do you think? Do you think Conte will be here, Alan,
4: next year? Um, I like Conte. Um, I think he's done a phenomenal job with um, a not-too-strong a team when he first took over. Um, to win the title Um, I'd like to see him stay but unfortunately I think that decision's been taken out of his hands
1: see I'm I'm still not sure anything's been decided if I know Chelsea it's usually a big mess Mm. and I don't think anyone really knows and I can see him staying as we've said in the podcast before you know if Chelsea want to get rid of him well look we've got this financial fair play thing and and that, that seems to be leaking out of the club a lot in the last few weeks that actually they will have to make sure everything works for financial fair play because Chelsea care about getting that right if that happens well they can talk about we need to sell before we buy and all those sort of things but it also means that I think they have to pay Conte nine million or something to go well that doesn't work in their financial fair play structure I would think if he goes then I don't think Conte is going to back down it has to be a mutual agreement
2: doesn't it if they're on sorry, which he's being connected to, he's they got to pay eight million for him because so that's million. suddenly
1: seventeen million just mm. on your manager.
2: Yeah. Mm. Can, can I just ask if if the worst happens and he does go, who who would you want? Because I haven't got the foggiest who Arsene I'd want. Wenger, <laughs> 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 well, could build a legacy. He's yeah. had a lot of offers. You never well, and know. We're trying to move to a new stadium. Yeah, yeah.
1: but you know the offers he's been getting is a manager of the Kentucky Fried Chicken yeah. on Seven Sisters Road. Yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. but. You know, I, I'm not sure he's getting any football ones from this country. But
2: seriously, I can't think of a manager that, not so much that I'd want, but a manager that would be up to the task of running Chelsea either. Maybe that's because I don't know what I'm talking about. What or about maybe,
3: JT? Yeah. Him same. and Lamp Stream team. Yeah. Yeah. I think Max Allegri for sure. It'd be, it'd be a bit weird to have like what went, what Juve went through, Chelsea are doing the exact same thing to go to Max Allegri. But four titles in a row uh, at Juve, you can't really argue that. He's actually moved Juve along since Conte. So it'd be pretty natural progression and he's got that ambition for England. He's, so what I meant though is an attainable manager, someone you look at and you think Chelsea have got a chance
2: of getting him with all the restrictions, the financial fair play, you know, the contract that Conte still got getting another manager out of their contract. I just can't... I look looking. I think there's not enough good managers available right now.
1: What about international managers? We seem to like big tournaments to have a look at managers and get them out. More like uh, Joachim Love, maybe? Yeah.
3: Gareth Southgate.
4: Yeah. <laughs> I, I,
1: I do think. Oh, that, at least we get, you know, the boy back, don't we?
4: I do think one of the biggest losses to us is oh, when well, we got Steve rid Holland. Of, uh, Steve Holland. Steve Holland. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was the biggest loss for us this season. We
1: talked about this a couple of weeks yeah, ago. I, though, actually. I think I,
4: that's probably just as vital, choosing who's number two's going to be and having that connection between the team and the manager and the hierarchy is crucial to what we've
2: done in previous seasons.
1: Yeah, I can say Gary knows all about the importance of number twos. Um. oh
2: excellent <laughs> yeah. good work but but spe- speaking of speaking of steve holland i i remember pff, i spent six seven years ago now
1: so you don't quite remember it then No.
2: Um, and I, 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 I was doing, some, I was doing some work with crew and i was speaking to um uh nick powell who went to united who's at, I think he's at wigan now isn't he yeah luke murphy who went to leeds um Ashley Westwood who's at Burnley now. I was chatting to these players about being at Crew and they were talking about what this one guy who not many people had heard of at the time and he had been crew manager but got sacked but he had been with all the youth teams before that like was Steve Holland and I are like this guy Steve Holland is amazing, he's gonna go on and do great things, what he did for us as players. I know those players haven't gone on to be these great players that Crew thought they might, but everyone speaks. You know, like certain people will talk about behind the scenes person that really influenced their career for all these young players at that time, it was all about Steve Holland. And, you know, I guess, you know, you can never measure it tangibly what he did for Chelsea, but I guess well, I when you when can, lose, when you lose someone like that and not replace him, yeah, you know, there's obviously yeah. a void.
1: Well, that, well, I think, I think that's tangible, you know, the, the difference it's made. I think Alan's absolutely right. You know, I, I think we have missed having someone. He was a good connector, especially when he got a foreign manager To have an English number two, you know, it worked for Ancelotti with Ray and things, you know, being able to mediate, as it were, between the two because there's different mentalities and what have you and mindsets. So, I mean... Yeah. Steve Holland for you
3: Yeah well I think that I think that what What kind of happened to him In the end was that Conte had a massive Backroom staff So what happened maybe Was that he didn't quite Have the responsibility He had before And as somebody Who's got such You know a reputation In the game You might as well go on And take that England Opportunity It was great for England To get a guy in like that Who knows what he's doing But there's also The technical director issue As well at Chelsea So this summer Is going to be so So busy for Chelsea You know a new manager And a new technical director Michael Emanalo Was also very respected at the club even though a huge proportion of Chelsea fans sort of didn't understand what he did but mm. also completely blamed him for transfers despite him not being the one who closes the deals um, but I think that you know, having somebody in football these days you can't just go from you know somebody who doesn't really know about football and then go to the manager and that's how you run a big club these days you need somebody in the middle who knows both the business side and the sort of technical side and there's not that many of them around Giuliano Belletti seems to be a, a big contender it would be good to see him yeah, his name's
4: time. popped up quite a few times, isn't it, in yeah. regards to the uh, director yeah. of football. But I think it's also interesting what with um, Stephen Gerrard going to Rangers that puts a big focus on uh, Frank Lampard and JT in terms of what they're going to do with their aspirations of becoming managers. Absolutely so watch nothing. Watch this space to I can't. No, see but it. watch this yep. space. I think they're going to go somewhere obviously before,
2: but eventually, hopefully, they'll come back to the club. Yeah, but I, I think th- they've. I think those two have got it. Um, well, I,
1: I, I, th- I, I definitely think Frank has got it. You listen to him speak, he, wa- he watches a game in a certain way, and maybe JT has. But did you
2: see JT on Monday Night Football, and um, Dave Jones said to him, John, how would you line up against this City team? And he said what his tactics would be to play against them. And all they kept saying was, but you do that, and this happens, you do that, this happens. He went, yeah, but I'd play like this, I'd be aggressive, and, and that's how teams have played to beat them. And I'm not saying that they've looked at that and gone, oh, um... I'm the manager of Wigan and that's how I'm going to play against because JT said it but I think that his understanding of the game and for a player that okay Teddy Sheridan's done nothing as a coach but you know how Sheridan was such a good player despite that lack of pace and how JT outlasted so many players in the Premier League let alone at Chelsea I just think that it says so much for his footballing brain and you hear Lamps speak on BT Sport and he just takes punditry to another level, doesn't he? That is so insightful.
1: Well, to just, be fair, I mean, they, they all do this generation of pundits that we got, you know, Gerard's the same, Rio Ferdinand, you know, people. Gary
3: Neville could end up like yeah. him though. Yeah. <laughs> but, but what I mean though, is that yeah, the way that's, Lampard that's...
2: talks about it, that he's, yeah. he, I think he's even more cerebral than Neville when it comes to football. And I think you look at him and you see him down at Chelsea doing his coaches, coaching badges as well now. And I just think that, yeah, I think he's, those two. Maybe they could become the Frank and Harry of West Ham over at Chelsea. Who
1: knows? Well, we shall see. So, we should just move on very quickly to uh, the games that are coming up, because it is that time, as we've been talking about. So, we really need to, you know, decide what's going to happen. Um, the Rumour mill has already started. I just want to say, anyone believe any of this nonsense about Murata going to Juve? Well, we mentioned it last deal? week, didn't we? Because
2: yeah, before but- we came on, it was the same thing. Morata to Juve, Chelsea to take Cavani. But... I just think maybe if Cavani was five years younger, but he's 31. We're not going to going have
1: 2 31-year-old striker. I, no. I just don't believe that. No. And I just don't see Murata going.
2: Um, you know, it, it's, it's not like he's had a horrendous season either. No, he hasn't. He's had injuries.
3: Chelsea won't want to make a loss on a player like that. They never want to make a loss. And he can come good, and he's not been horrendous, as you say. So yeah. for me, it could, it could be that you know, he kinda li- he does like Juve, he likes Italy, but I don't think it could happen in a business sense. You know That, that side they of the game pay. would stop it. I
4: think it's his agent. Yeah, I'm... Agent I'm sure. looking to get, get a better deal for him. I hope he stays. I think he's got a lot of potential.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, he's another one. He's been betting in for a year. Look, let's not forget, and I say it every week, this is a man who only played 75 games in five years. His mm. body is not used to playing a full season. Mm. Much in the same way as we talked last week about Loftus-Cheek having to go out of the Palace to find out how his body would put up for mm. a season. So, we'll see. All, all bets are off. As far as I'm concerned, you know... The, Anyone can go or come. I'm looking forward to the summer because I think you're right. You know, it's going to be fascinating to see what happens because everything could
4: change. Mm. I just hope we nothing. get our business done early. <laughs> oh I doubt it that That will happen that will
2: happen the last time I did it was four years ago before the World Cup so now it's World Cup year maybe they'll do it
1: yeah so we'll see so okay let's let's move on to some predictions we've got Huddersfield coming up and then we have the final game Newcastle away so Alan first of all Huddersfield will we trounce them will we take the game to tear them apart
4: yes 3-0 excellent 3-0 how do you see it
1: panning
3: up 4-0 Chelsea Morata's going to get some goals I think he's going to start and score Okay.
2: I'm going to go for 4-0. I'm going to go for 5-0. I know they had a good performance against City, but I don't think they've got the mental capacity to do that again.
3: Hmm. Okay,
1: I'm going to go for 1-0. You're
2: <laughs> <laughs> boring. I'm just trying to be
1: contrary. Mm. You know, it's just the way I'm... All right, I'll go 2-0. It used to be fun. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I let you all take the City scores, 4 and 5-0. We haven't done that most of the season. We're not capable of doing it, are we?
2: We did it against Hull in the cup, yeah. didn't we?
1: Well, yeah, okay. When was that? January. And what was it in? The Cup. So, you know, we'll see. Okay, we'll, we'll see how that pans out. Finally, Newcastle, we need three points to climb into Gary's fictional third place that he's predicting.
2: 1-0 to Chelsea.
1: It wasn't your turn. Oh, oh you're always so mean? boring. 1-0. You, gave, one you nil? gave me those
2: love eyes and I thought, oh, <laughs> <Just to try laughs> that, and now's the
1: time. Yeah, but you go on about my predictions and you come out with yeah, a 1-0.
2: That's, that's a solid prediction. Moving on.
3: That's I think I think fact. Chelsea will fall short in that game, and I think that they'll be the ones to drop out. You know, it's the hardest game of all the teams. I think one-one.
1: What when Newcastle have been on holiday for the last two
3: weeks? Yeah, but Rafa Rafa would love to stop Chelsea, wouldn't he? I think, and then you know that are like that they'll be bouncing on the last day of the season. Uh, they're, they're really happy. So, they're what's your prediction
1: for the score? One-one. And this has been Naz's last appearance on the Chelsea <laughs> podcast.
4: <laughs> Alan, I've got. I've got a feeling we will concede, but I'm
2: gonna go for 2-1 for Chelsea. But
1: okay, I'm, two, I'm gonna go, go for 4-0 Chelsea. I'm gonna wrap it up.
2: <laughs> easy Remember, easy. I've got Kennedy as well, who's been a very important player for he them in turning important. their form around.
1: Yeah, Naz is going, oh god, I forgot about that. Oh yeah, you're right. <laughs> I'm you to change my prediction.
2: <laughs> hey, who was that? <laughs> that was Naz. Oh, was it? That's brilliant. It's a, oh where's the New Zealand <laughs> Kiwi gone? Oh, bro. I tell you what, bro, we're gonna win in, we're gonna win the league. <laughs> Next season, bro. Okay, which league would that be, bro? Fantasy league, bro. Okay, well you are the biggest but, Anyone doubt in this accent, watch 4 Ragnarok because the director's a Kiwi. And he plays one of the characters in it. That's right. Yeah. And he's the guy that's like, Oh bro, I tried to start a revolution, but I didn't print off enough leaflet tea. Yeah. And that's yeah. the accent. Okay. See? Character down as man with shit
1: kiwi accent. <laughs> yeah. <Okay. laughs> cool. uh. Excellent. Well, what can I say? It's been an absolute pleasure. We are doing one more podcast uh, next week before the before the cup final. So we will be speaking to you as Champions League place owners uh next Week and uh, other than that, all I can say is thank you, Gary, thank you, Naz, and thank you, Alan.
0: Thank you. Have a good week. This is a playback media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at chelseapodcast.net.
1: The Chelsea is backed for the season by Ladbrooks.